Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Wow. <laughs> now I know we're all awake, right? <laughs> Friends, today we continue our summer series on what a soul needs. Today we focus on the reality that our soul craves purpose. The soul, the deepest part of who you are, longs to be about something. There was a book that came out 15 years ago called The Purpose Driven Life. How many of you read that book? How many can't believe it was 15 years ago? Published in 2002, by 2007, it had sold over 30 million copies. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for years. It's actually the second most translated book in the world. According to Barna Research, by 2005, nearly a quarter of all American adults had read the book. The author's wife, Kay Warren, She said when she was reading the unfinished manuscript, she knew it was good, but she said, I was clueless as to how deeply the book would strike a nerve in the souls of millions of people around the globe. Our souls, the deepest part of who we are, craves purpose. Where is the life that matters to be found? Where is the life brimming with with meaning? What's the purpose of my life? These are questions of the utmost importance. And the good news that we find in our passage today is that the life we crave is found in the life laid down. The life we crave is found in surrender to Jesus. If you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 32. Hear God's word. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we are your people and we come into your presence. We are grateful to come into your presence. And we pray, living God, that you would speak to us. Not my words, but your words. May your Holy Spirit fall on us. May your word bring transformation and life to us. And we ask all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Does my life have purpose? I was sitting with a friend this week who was asking that very question. 
I believe it is one of the deepest questions of our soul, and to answer it, we go about what we call soul searching. Now, we're busy people, and our world is loud. But even so, these moments of soul searching come. Maybe it's in the quiet of the night when you can't sleep. Maybe it's when you find yourself in the thick of a crisis. Maybe as you stare at your cup of morning coffee or go about the grind of your daily routine. Maybe it's as you enter into a new season of life, a new stage of life, these questions pop up. What is my life about? What is life about? Is there more to life than this? Does my life have purpose? These are soul questions. It's our soul crying out. Your soul, the deepest part of you, was made to be about something. In other words, we long for a life of meaning. And our first guess, our, our first attempt at securing purpose, a life brimming with, with meaning, is to look to ourselves, to focus on ourselves, dig down deep and drum up the answers yourself, find the life, achieve the life, secure the life, build your life. I know, soul. I know the answer. Look to me. Bless me, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless me and forget not all my benefits. Now, of course, we would never say it that way, say it that directly, but we walk out the door, we go about our day seeking to secure life on our own, on our own terms. I'm astonished how true this is for me. My comfort my security, my safety, my possessions, my stuff, my achievements, my success, my life that I want, my ability to make it happen. I've been told that becoming a first-time parent can be very disorienting. I think I read that somewhere. <laughs> Whereas before, you could focus on yourself. What do I need to get done today? When do I want to take a shower when do I want to eat? When do I want to sleep? Now all of a sudden you have this little baby who's so cute, but so, what's the word, uh, demanding. <laughs> and that can be a hard adjustment, or so I hear. <laughs> because we're so used to focusing on ourselves, aren't we? I'm used to making it about me. It reminds me of the strategy board games, Risk, Settlers of Catan, even, even Monopoly. And you set up your, your pieces, you work the board, you acquire all the, the resources you need, you build your empire. And your thought is, of course, that's how you win the game. And we live like that. It's my life. It's up to me to set up all my pieces on the game board. I will find the life, secure the life, build the life, achieve the life I desire. But as a friend pointed out to me recently, winning and losing looks so very different in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says that that way of, of life, that doesn't lead to winning. That's actually how, how you lose when you spend all your energy trying to secure life on your own, on your terms, apart from God, you will lose your life in the process. 
The first part of verse 39, whoever finds their life will lose it. I heard the story last week about a man named AJ. And AJ said when he was in college, he went to the bookstore and he found a book on on college degrees and earning potential. And he scoured it until he found his degree. In his 20s, he made it to New York and was a successful Wall Street broker. And he thought, you win. You win by how many zeros are at the end of your paycheck. And he said, my life was about winning with a capital W. And then one day, his boss calls him into his office. And he says, you're getting a promotion. You're becoming a junior partner in the firm. And AJ realized that everything he had been working towards was being handed to him. Even more zeros at the end of his paycheck. And AJ went back to his office. He closed the door and he just wept. He just wept. He realized he was trapped and he feared a a loss, a loss of ever living a life of, of purpose and meaning. As we think this summer about what our soul needs, we find that when our focus is on ourself, the soul becomes bent in on itself. You see, our souls were made for a far nobler, grander purpose, something bigger than ourselves, beyond ourselves, greater than ourselves. But when our souls are bent only on our comfort, our self-preservation, when it's just about me securing, grabbing what I can, arranging life, fixing my life, well, Jesus says that's going to cave in on you. I'm from Florida, and in Florida, on top of alligators and hurricanes and mosquitoes and roaches and 100% humidity, it's really a nice place to live, uh, by the way. (laughs) On top of that, we have sinkholes. And John Ortberg, he tells the story of a man in Florida whose family had lived in the same house for decades. And then one day, a, a sinkhole opened up underneath their home's foundation. And this man lost his life as a sinkhole swallowed him up along with his house. Or this image before us, this car being swallowed up. And this is a picture of the soul focused on itself. Ultimately, it caves in on us. Trying to secure life on our own is tragically perilous. The book, The Purpose Driven Life, begins with these four words, it's not about you. Could that be some of the most freeing words you and I will ever hear? You see, your soul was made for something bigger. And the life we were made for, the the purpose that our soul craves, the very restoration of our souls, it's found only in Jesus, in the vastness of his life and love and purposes for us, in the greatness of our king and his kingdom. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can rescue us. Only Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing 
Only Jesus, who was fully faithful to God the Father and led the perfect human life. Only Jesus, who humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Yes, only Jesus, who took up his cross, scorning its shame, and for the joy that was set before him, endured it all. Only Jesus, who laid down his life for us, even when we were running in the other direction, wanting nothing to do with God. Only Jesus, who lost his life for our sake, that we might find life that we might have life abundant, life eternal. Jesus who loved us and gave himself up for us. Only Jesus who died that we might be dead to sin and alive to God. Only Jesus the crucified and risen one who now sits on the right hand of the throne of God and even now people of God invites us into the life of the kingdom. Only Jesus. That's why our response to him matters for eternity. Verse 32 and 33, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. That's why all other loyalties, all other allegiances take a distant, a distant back seat in comparison to Jesus. We see that throughout our passage today. And then Jesus says, verse 38 and 39, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Does my life have meaning? Does my life have purpose? These are soul questions. And in our passage today, Jesus says, you have to lay down your life for my sake. It's surrender. It's surrender. That's where life is found, the life we were made for, the purposeful life, the meaningful life, life with God, the life we crave is found in the life laid down. The life we crave is found in the life laid down. My friend, Rahil, was born in Pakistan to a devout Muslim family. By the time he was 14, he had memorized half the Quran. He did all he could to be the perfect Muslim. But he felt something was missing. He had a longing in his heart, if God is real, I want to experience him. He ended up going to Baylor University on a free ride. He told me he found himself in a sea of Baptists. And one night during the second semester of his freshman year, he began to pray. God, I know you are real, and I want to worship you, but I don't know how. Tell me. I want to follow you, but you have to tell me how. This was a moment of, of brokenness for him. His roommate was a strong follower of Jesus, and he had purposely placed his Bible in their dorm room where Rahil could find it. And one night, Rahil thought to himself, what should I do tonight? And he decided to read the Bible. He opened to the beginning of John's gospel and, and he read it. And it all made sense to him. He continued to read through the rest of the gospels with his roommate, then through the book of Romans, eventually through most of the New Testament. And he started to feel that he was connecting with God. His roommate gave him a Bible to keep. He hid it in his suitcase 
and then when he was home that summer. In September of his sophomore year, Rahil said, I want to follow Jesus. After he made that choice and surrendered his life to Christ, he felt convicted that he needed to tell his parents. And he knew that was going to be a problem. He thought, should I email them? Should I call them? Should I wait until Christmas? He decided to wait until Christmas break. And his friend said to him, said to him are, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure that you want to tell them? And Rahil said, what am I going to do? Deny Christ? And so one night over Christmas break, he walked into his parents' bedroom and he told them that he loved them and that he had decided to follow Jesus. And he was told to get out of the house. His dad said, if you walk out those doors, you are no longer my son. Rahil knows what Jesus means when he said his gospel would be like a sword dividing even families. Rahil knows what Jesus means when he says, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. Rahil went back to school after a break, and on his birthday that year, he was baptized. The church around him said, if you need a family, you can be our son. For the past 16 years, my friend Rahil has been on the journey of following Jesus. In his life, God has been restoring his soul. And in worship and service to others, as he lives in the community of God's people, his life reflects the goodness and grace and glory of our God, the beauty of the kingdom. That's the life we were made for. Rahil's life verse, which echoes so much of our passage today, is Philippians 3, 7 through 12. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. You have to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's the life we were made for. The good news of the kingdom, church, the good news of the kingdom, it rings out in our passage today. We don't have to try to build our life on our own, secure our life, make our life. No, the life that we long for, the purposeful life, the meaningful life is found in surrender to Jesus moment by moment, day by day, pick up your cross and follow. The life we crave is found in the life laid down, swept up in the purposes of God. To know Jesus, to experience his life, his love, our very souls reflecting the goodness and grace and glory of our God. That's the life we were made for. That's the life we were saved for. To glorify God and enjoy God forever to glorify God and enjoy God forever, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. 
how great thou art. Wherever you find yourself, whatever circumstances surround you, whatever season of life you are in, what does it look like to say, my soul magnifies the Lord? My soul magnifies the Lord. Which doesn't mean we make God bigger than he actually is, but our lives, our souls are like a mirror reflecting God for who God actually is. The goodness and grace and glory of our God revealed in Jesus Christ. Right where you are, whether you're eight years old or 88 years old, your life was meant to point to Jesus. John Ortberg, in another book of his, tells the story of a woman named Linda. She's a bus driver in San Francisco, and driving her route day after day, she sees people. She really sees them. She knows their names. She helps them with their bags. She treats them with, with dignity and respect, even the people having bad days and bad attitudes. And people go out of their way to ride her bus. They will pass up a bus that is right in front of them, because they want to wait to ride her bus. And she said in all of it, she said, I put God first. She said, some people start the morning with coffee. I start with Jesus. I would like to believe you can do both. <laughs> <laughs> but right where she is, bus driver on bus number 45, in San Francisco, California, she's reflecting the goodness and grace and glory of our God revealed in Jesus Christ. It astonishes me how often I fall back to this notion that it's about me. It's up to me to make my life. But Jesus keeps inviting me, inviting us into a different way, a way of surrender, a way of trusting Jesus to make something beautiful out of my life trusting Jesus to make something beautiful out of my life. Chuck Colson once put it like this, knowing that we're fulfilling God's purpose is the only thing that really gives rest to the restless human heart. My soul magnifies the Lord. Church, last week John talked about the importance of silence and caring for our souls. Now, we don't always like silence. It can feel awkward. We're not always sure what to do with it. But we're gonna try it out a little bit this morning to enter into a time of, of silent prayer. And a few sentences of prayer will appear on the screen, and I invite you to pray that to God and whatever else you need to say to God. And I invite you this morning to embody your prayer. As you pray, just to put your hands in front of you in a posture of surrender and trust. And then after a few moments, I'll close out our time in prayer.
Jesus, you have brought us from death to life. You are our everything. You are worthy of our everything. Help us to lay down our life as an offering to you. To you be the glory, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.